Hey, welcome everybody. You're on Mind Your Biz. And our guest today is Michael Kelly. Thank you for coming here because we want to mind your biz. So welcome, Michael, and uh, just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you're doing here and what's your message. Thank you for having me on your show. My message is a two-prone message. One is that there needs to be change from, uh, from the, the powers to be down to the lower level. I was a cop for 13 years. I worked myself up to being a lieutenant. I actually uh, still have my lieutenant badge. Whoa! So I'm not a low entry level officer. I, I saw the corruption from the top down. And the perspective that most people have is that white officers are racist. And there's a reason that they think that. And, and there's legitimacy behind that. As a lieutenant, I wouldn't stand for that. But once you start speaking out, especially as a higher level officer, your bosses are elected officials. So if you start speaking out and start stirring the pot, you, you tend don't to keep your job and, and they, they start coming after you. So some of the things that we were taught, especially from the academy all the way up. So it, it's not like each department is, is different. They might tweak how they attack certain stuff. But for the most part, it's the same message is all over the world. You can see all over the United States. It doesn't matter where you where you look at. There's an officer that pretty much violated someone's rights and there's legitimacy behind that. So my goal is to change people's perspective. It's not all officers. It's probably 75 percent of them, but it's not all the officers uh, that, that are that are corrupt. OK, so you're here to clear the air, to really identify the real problems. And now, you know, we're on a podcast right now, so we can't really go through the whole story but generally after we talk and after we discuss some some main bullet points are you going to be putting out some kind of a documentary or a book or something that people can really go in and and get all the details i am i i, I am in the process of writing a book i have a publisher that's interested in it we have a, a gofundme account that if someone donates money to it the $50 or more, they'll get a copy of the book signed by me. It's uh, immoral obligations in a, un in a corrupt policing apartment. Uh, I go in from the very beginning. I walk through the academy, even in the academy. One example in the academy is that the instructor, why we're going through the academy, got fired for uh, violating the cadets' rights. So right off the bat, I had a bad taste in, in my mouth with the with the law, with the uh, academy. And when I went to the academy, I want to be the pristine. I want to be the top of my class. I wanted to excel. I wanted to get out. I wanted to work my way up as a, to, to the highest level I can possibly get to because I, I didn't want to come in and just carry a gun and a badge. I wanted to come in and make a difference in the world. And in the academy, some of the examples that, that we were taught is that one of the things that stuck to my head that I thought was unethical was they, they used to use this phrase, you can beat the rap, but you can't beat the ride. What, that, what they were basically saying is that, hey, you're a scumbag. I'm going to arrest you. I know that this charge is not going to stick but I have the authority and the power to do it. So I'm going to ruin your life. So if you took someone to jail, that's on their record forever. Even if you, even if they beat it, it's still on their record. And that's an unethical statement that, that 99% of the cops make. And, and it's disgusting. Even when I got out and my first job was, was as a jailer inside the, the jail, the County jail in, in uh, where I was working, officers, deputies that were licensed police officers were getting pregnant by inmates. And I'm like, where is the, where's the ethics at? Where, where's your morals and your standards? So then I was like, you know what? I, I don't, I can't, I don't want to deal with this either. So I go to another department 
And I went from a sheriff's office to a constable's office in the Houston area, in Houston, Texas area. And uh, when we get there, I go into a, a bombshell right off the bat because the, the constable, as soon as I got hired, the constable's right-hand man was arrested for tampering with evidence. And I'm like, holy moly, everywhere I go, there's corruptness. So then I was like, I'm going to work even harder to get into a higher position to make a better difference. As you start that process, you become like in the middle because the community is against you because you're a cop. And then your department thinks you're a narc and a snitch. So, so you got to walk a thin line. So you have no friends that, 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 are, that are going to stick up with you because if you start hanging out with people, they're going to think, oh, they're going to be after me too. So it is very disgusting. One of the main things that when I was working at the constable's office that I did was I was part of, um, it had no official title, but what we would do is when an officer would confiscate drugs or weapons, we would enter him into the evidence room and then we would either transport them to Austin or destroy them ourselves. We would take, we would literally take the weapons down to Mexico and sell them to the drug cartel. And in return, we would get a 18 wheeler full of cash and bring it back to Austin, Texas. And they would pay you cash. And that's, that, that's so when I first started uh, as doing that, I was still a rookie officer. I didn't know any better. And uh, what threw up the red flag is when you did that, they would give you $5,000 cash. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm already getting paid by the department. Why are you giving me cash? And we, we did it probably 12, 10 to 12 times before the, the, the uh, border patrol officer was uh, murdered uh, with the, in Arizona. And then all of a sudden we stopped doing it. And I'm, I'm thinking that was so unethical, but it was legal because the, the governor was the one that was in charge of everything. Wow. I mean, Michael, I, I don't mean to say this, but this sounds like a movie. Yeah, so we we, uh, we do have a uh, publisher that's interested in it, and uh, they, they do think that it may become a movie. They actually hired a team of attorneys because they're, they're afraid that, they, that they're going to try to stop this from coming out. So I'm trying to get on as much interviews as I possibly can so they can't taint the uh, my statement. So two of the things that, they, that they're going to try to attack, one is that I'm a liar, but that's going to be hard to do because I ha I took pictures and I have all the documents and, and it's going to be in the book. So they can't say that I'm a liar or they're going to say I'm disgruntled. However, I can't be disgruntled because only people that are disgruntled is when they go from a high level position to a lower level position and then they're upset. I'm in a better place now. I have my own business. I'm making more money than I was as a cop. I've helped 23 people become millionaires in, in, in the cryptocurrency space. So I'm not disgruntled. I'm just trying to get the message out and I'm trying to get on as much interview, as much uh, uh, airtime as I possibly can because I don't want to be on someone's hit list. <laughs> oh, wow. So, wow. You, I mean, that's a mouthful, man. I mean, it's brave what you're doing to bring awareness from whatever you've seen in your position. And if you are an entrepreneur that's advising people making money, clearly that's not your incentive either. But wow, this, this, I'm saying this sounds like a, sounds like a movie. There's just a lot. Yeah. There's just this very heavy stuff. And it's, like I said, it's brave of you just to kind of get out there and, and get on the soapbox and, and tell everybody about your experience. You know, I thought that when people, I, I guess, you know, in the force, in the organization, I thought there's some sort of gag order where you can't talk about your life in that position. How are you going around that or how are you protecting yourself? 
Yeah. So they, I was involved in the Sandra Bland case. And if you, if you just Google her name, you'll see the, the whole layout. Uh, a, a synopsis of it is, is that the state trooper, uh, Texas state trooper, pulled her over for, for a traffic violation. He was done with the with this traffic citation, wrote the warning, gave her the warning, and then she lit up a cigarette and uh, he told her to put it out. She's an activist in the community, so she knew that she didn't have to. So she's like, I'm not going to do that. The traffic stops over. I'm on public property. I can do whatever I want. Trooper thinks that he, he has an ego issue and then starts trying to arrest her for no reason. I was a third officer on scene. As soon as this started going down, I was there probably within, within 30 seconds to a minute. She knew me from the, from the community. She starts telling me what, hap- what was happening. I went to the trooper and told him, hey, you can't arrest her for this. And I, I, I'm a supervisor in the, the department that I was in. And, but the trooper looks at me and he, sa- he says, this is my jurisdiction. I can do whatever I want. And I tell him, this is not a, a, a battle you're going to want to fight because it's, it's going to blow up in your face because I, I know her. She's an activist. She, she's not, she doesn't mean ill intentions to you, but she is going to buck the system when she knows you're in the wrong. So, so you might want to let her go. It was his scene. I couldn't tell him what to do because he didn't work for my department. But if he did work for my department, not only would I have told him what to do, I would have wrote him up and tried to get him fired because what he did was violate her civil rights. Uh, so long story short is that she went to the jail. Three days later, she ends up dead. And uh, and I do quotations because I, I don't I don't think that she committed suicide. Probably about 10 days later, everyone gets a subpoena to the grand jury to testify against the state trooper because the state troopers already indicted. I didn't get a subpoena. So I go to the district uh, attorney and I tell him, why, why are you not allowing me? I'm the third officer on scene. You're getting people that weren't even on scene subpoenas. Why are you not going to give me a subpoena? And he tells me point blank. He says, we don't care about that inward. And, uh, and we know you're going to be mouthy and you can't go to the grand jury. I said, I'm going to tell my side of the story. And so back to the gag thing, they tell me I can't talk. Well, at that time, I couldn't talk because I was employed by the by the department. And so when I became not employed to stop me from talking, they went through all my case files years prior and started arresting me and indicting me on uh, on stuff so I can be under the gag order because they couldn't tell me not to talk. But if there was an open case against me, I could talk. I beat all those cases. I beat everyone because I never even stood foot in the court. They, they indicted me. They arrested me. I, uh, I never stood foot in the court. Every time I'd go to court, postponed, postponed for two years straight. I got it postponed. I filed a civil lawsuit, won that slam dunk. I got all my back pay. They ended up having to pay me for how they treated me. Now I'm able to speak because I'm not under indictment. Uh, they, they have no pending cases. Now it's time to talk. Wow, man, you've seen some stuff. And I've also heard you were involved with another case regarding the Fast and Furious. What's that about? Yeah, that was the first one I was telling you about that we went down to Mexico. We would literally take the the, the confiscated weapons and drugs to, uh, well, I did not see any drugs. The other officers did see the drugs. I didn't, I saw weapons. We'd go down there and we would go to a hotel. We would change clothes into green clothes like the Border Patrol has and cross Mexico. One time we drove so deep into Mexico. I'm like, Oh, I'm never coming back. I, I was <laughs> that, that time I was scared. Cause I'm like, we were driving for like eight hours and we're heading South. I'm like, Holy moly. And uh, we meet with the same guy, the guy that we always met with, or that took us with his name was Jefe, which is Spanish for boss. 
man, this is like when you see in the movies and they're going into like an industrial warehouse that's empty. That is literally how it looks. That is the movies are like almost forbatim. Well, they hire people, you know, the real deals to consult on a lot of movies. So, yeah, I'm not surprised that it's it's pretty spot on. Now, did this case specifically, did this already get a lot of eyes and publicity on it? Uh, so it did it did in Arizona, but the, the task force that we were on in Texas wasn't documented. So everything we did was not documented. So that's the only case that they're going to be able to have a, that a case that I'm lying because there, there was no evidence other than because when you at that time, when you went to Mexico, you didn't have to have a passport. So I did. I wouldn't have a passport with stamps. Uh, so and that was non-documented. However, I have pictures of me in Mexico. At the times that that it that it happened, because we were we stayed down in Mexico a couple of times, and and so I have pictures. They can say it's vacation, but I, I don't I, I don't think they can because immediately as soon as the the true the uh, border patrol was uh, killed, they stopped everything. Uh, they ended the drug task force and everything. Well, that's not much of a vacation, man. If you're in a, a desolate warehouse yeah. in the middle of Mexico, people dropping. Yeah. I mean, wow. Tell me a little bit about your business now were you in your own business while you were a cop or this is something that you pivoted to when you came out of the police force once they indicted me you couldn't be a cop unless you beat the charge well after i beat the charge you can go apply to departments but you all i will always have that on my record so no department's going to touch me because i'm a liability to them so they, they ruined my whole career on purpose uh, no, no department's going to pick me up because it, it it does look like a liability even though that it, i don't believe that it is it does look like that so they on paper it does look really bad so they couldn't so then i i decided when i was younger i wanted to be a stockbroker or a police officer so then i started doing a little bit of research on um how to get my uh 65 license which is a license to trade stocks for people like for Edward Jones and stuff like that. I came across the, a word called Bitcoin. I had no idea what it was, what it was, how it is, anything about it. But I did see that they had charts on there, like a regular chart that you look at, candlesticks and stuff like that. And so I knew that I was always good. I traded my portfolio since I was 18 and I made money off of it. So I knew that I would be good at it. Uh, I did a little bit of research and Bitcoin is, is is like the godfather. So to get into cryptocurrency, you have to have Bitcoin and then you get into the alternative coins, which are uh, like the alternative to Bitcoin. So I started trading those. I started making really good money and I'm like, hey, this is a good way to help because I always wanted to help people. My, my whole goal in life was to help people because as a child, I was taken away into foster care because my mom and dad were both drug addicts and alcoholics. So I knew that if I I could help somebody in a way I would be good that's why I'm involved in my church I want to help people that's my whole goal is to help people so I decided I'm going to create a, uh, a business and I'm going to help people trade cryptocurrency and uh, and help them do that so I started doing that I started doing what they call uh, signals I would tell people hey I think this would be a good good signal to buy buy this particular coin and then I would tell them, hey, let's get five, 10% out of it and let, let's sell it. Uh, I started doing that. It started getting traction. It started getting traction. It started growing. People started wanting to not let, they didn't want to do it. They wanted us to do it for them. In general, people are lazy in the most part. They'd rather someone else do it and pay them a percentage than, than do it themselves. So it started gaining traction. I started going, they started flying me all over the world. I've been to Costa Rica, um, to Mexico, to Argentina, to Brazil, to uh, London was the last one right before COVID happened. They flew me all over the place just to teach people 
how to trade. During that time, that was from 2017 till now, I've helped 23 people become millionaires. And the beautiful thing about our particular program is that we don't touch your money. The money stays in your possession 24-7. And uh, all you do is let give us access via an API and we trade for you. I am called a, uh, a portfolio strategist. So I, I, I look at it and I strategize and I make uh, predictions on what is going to happen. Monthly, we're averaging anywhere between 5 to 10% return ROI on, uh, on it. And we have the track record at, our, at the business website. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. Now, would you say all your, your ill experiences as an officer pushed you even harder to be an entrepreneur and do well in your business? Or was just something like, ah, oh, man, I can't be an officer anymore. I got to try this. So a funny thing about it is the night before they indicted me, I was, I was on my knees and I was praying and I was asking God, I don't want to be in this. It's too corrupt for me. I, I, and, and it's just, it's tainting my viewpoint on, on his creation. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to be a cop anymore. The very next day, God answered that prayer and I was indicted. So God's like, I got something better for you. So what they intended to be evil, God turned into good. And I was forced into this to help low income people to become financially stable. Most people are living paycheck to paycheck. So if you would take five or $10 each out of every paycheck and you put it into our program and our, the initial program is free, you can get in free and, uh, and, uh, and start that way. And we, the reason we do it for free is because we want to show you, we can make you money. So you get a trial period for free for a month or two. It depends on, on, on where you're at in that particular uh, time. Uh, so I wouldn't say that I was like, oh man, I need to do it. I think I was forced into it because uh, God answered a prayer. That's something else. What would you say was the most extreme breakthrough as far as a money breakthrough from someone that invested, you know, X amount and went to this amount, you know, thousand to a million, 5,000 to yeah. 50,000. What was the most extreme case or customer or client that you, that you helped out? So I helped a lady, she put in a thousand dollars. She kept possession of it. She just did it on her own. A thousand dollars. She hit a couple of good ones like XRP went, uh, XRP, which is Ripple, went from zero, zero, nine. So it was nine tenths of a penny and she sold it at 490. So she, she made a hundred thousand dollars off of it. Uh, she took that profit and then we started diversifying it because that's the key to cryptocurrency. You want to diversify. Screw Bitcoin. You don't want Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not where the money is. It's the altcoins that are where the money is. And there's there's 3,500 or 3,700 altcoins. So most of them are not going to make it. And that's where we come into play. We teach you how to look at it, how to prosper from it, and how to pick the, the right coins. But she diversified into other altcoins. Zero Bitcoin. She had zero Bitcoin. And uh, she diversified that $100,000. And we picked, I think, I think we picked 37 different coins and we sold them at their, at their peak at the almost all time high. And she ended up walking home and she retired. She was 70, uh, 67 years old from Arizona. Once she stopped, she, she was at like almost 4 million bucks off a thousand dollar investment. What the that's, heck? that's not common, but it does happen. She, she broke down in tears and started crying because she was bagging groceries at her local grocery store because she couldn't make ends meet. The, the, the social security money that she was getting wasn't cutting it. And she just happened to meet me at a show and, and join. And I never charged her for like six months. She, she did it for six months for free and, and she was loving it. She gave me a big donation later, but um, 
But yeah, so th that's the stuff that drives me. I want to help people. I, I want to, to help people not make uh, paycheck to paycheck. I want them to be able to be financially stable, to, to be able to go on vacations with their family, to, to buy stuff that they always dreamed about. That's what motivates me. That's beautiful, man. Um, so when she went from a thousand to let's say a hundred grand, how long did it take for that to happen? A few months, a year? Yeah, no. So that that was like less than three months. It, wow. it, it shot up pretty quick. It, it yeah, it shot up. It shot up pretty quick. Uh, XRP went from uh, nine tenths of a cent all the way up to four eighty, four dollars and eighty cents. So, and and I I I should I told her I joke about her. I said I should have took your advice because I sold at a dollar fifty and she kept it all the way up to four eighty. I'm like man. Wow, she was she was something yeah. else. And how yeah. long how long did it take to get the uh, hundred grand? to several million dollars. Is that like a few years later? No, no. So from, from the one, th from the 1000 to the million or to the hundred thousand was like maybe three months, maybe that. And then another probably 12 to 13 months after that, she, she was retired. She didn't, she don't even mess with crypto anymore. Every now and then she'll send me an email that her emails are funny. She's like, I'm still alive. Just to let you know. <laughs> wow. I mean, this is an amazing story. Now, how, I mean, how do people feel comfortable letting someone else into their portfolio of money to handle it? How can they feel almost protected, assuming they, you know, they come cold, they don't know you, and they're just about to let essentially a stranger into their account? How do you make them feel secure in some way? Yeah, so when I have partners that are that are in this business with me, and uh, they used to run Saxo Bank over in Europe, so it's it's really educated uh, individuals that are our are, are partners. We knew that that was going to be a uh, a concern for people, and how we went around that is that we teach people how to put their money into a trust, and so now your money's in the trust, and you control it. So if you look at it and be like, "Oh man, he's not doing very good," you shut it off immediately. You have one hundred percent control over it. We don't, we only control it as long as you allow us to control it. But as soon as you say, Hey, I'm out, you control it. It's in your wallet. It's in your possession, in your trust 24 seven. It never leaves your trust. And so we knew that that was going to be a problem because in cryptocurrency, it is a really sticky point because people will assume you're a scammer because you did something, you, you made a call and it went the opposite way. So we knew that that was going to be a battlefield that we had to do. And the best way our attorney said that to do it was to put it into a trust. Uh, and we used the, the top trust in the world. Uh, we, we have a partnership with the top trust in the world. And we have a partnership with the top broker in the world with with, uh, with cryptocurrency. And we use MT4, which is the, the biggest program in the world. So we, we went out and we got the best and uh, and our track record speaks for the rest. And people people like the, the returns. And now if you have a portfolio, the client is able to see where all the, the transactions are going, where all the money's going. Yeah. So that was another that's man, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> So the, uh, that was, we already knew that was going to be another question. So what we do is we set them up on, on a program and they get to see every single trade that we do. A partner of mine, Steve uh, Young, he likes to call it dings. So when, when people see it, they'll get a ding on their phone and they'll, they'll look at their phone and be like, oh, I just made 47 bucks or 5,000 bucks or something. They see every time we place a trade, every time we close a trade, if it's in profit, it tells you that, hey, you made this amount. If you didn't make money, it's say, hey, you lost this amount because we do have losses. We're, we're, not, we're not perfect, but we make more money than we lose. So that, that's a good thing. So they get to see every single transaction. We are 100% transparency.
That's great. I would hope that if you had an alert, it'd be like ka-ching when you make the money and then some like when you lose money. Can you get one of those alerts? So I, so I, so I know all throughout the day, I'm winning, I'm losing, I'm winning. Yeah. So you, you can uh, change the notification on your phone. (laughs) That's cool. Now, is it a streamlined way to get on board with your, with your company where it's like, I just basically put you know, a hundred bucks into an app, you take it and you start moving it around and making money or is it a, a more involved process? Most people will want to get their feet wet and try it out themselves, And so that, that's where the, the free program comes in. And so that they can just join, uh, go to our website and join that way uh, at uh, jpfs.com and, and go and check out our track record, our whole team, our whole portfolio. We're, we're licensed out of Switzerland, out of the United States. Uh, we have, uh, we have everything set up for Americans and non-American clients. So it is, it is mainstream. It's super easy to join. And, and the, the onboarding process, the onboarding process, we have to go through the trust and then us and the MT4. It is a little time consuming, but it, it's not out of the ordinary. It's probably will take you 10 days to get onboarded and you don't fund the account until you get onboarded. So it's not like, give us your money. And we never touch your money. Your trust touches the money. We, we never touch your money. Well, hey, I'm going to give this a whirl because if this thing works, I'm going to tell everybody I got a big mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> are you trading exclusive, exclusively cryptocurrencies or are you doing a bunch of different fund management and stocks and stuff? Yeah. So my strategy of, of the portfolio strategist is strictly altcoins. Uh, we trade Bitcoin and Ethereum, which is the two biggest, largest ones. But again, that's not where you make money. So we'll trade altcoins. Uh, we specialize in trading altcoins because right now I think Bitcoin's like 55000 To double your money, it has to go to 110000 But in XRP, which is 50 cents, it goes to a dollar, you double your money. It's a lot easier getting to a dollar than it is to get into $110,000 per coin. So altcoins is is the way to go. And most people come in so naive that they think, I buy Bitcoin, I'm going to be a bazillionaire. And Bitcoin's not where you make your money. We we hardly own Bitcoin. It's the altcoins where you make your money. What's your opinion on these NFTs? Because that's that's the, the hot topic right now. I have to assume that you have your own opinion on it. Are you staying out of that that whole game? Are you thinking about it? What's your, what's your take on it? Those particular tokens are what we would call an ER20 token. And those ER20 tokens just means that it's on the Ethereum blockchain. Well, Ethereum is like the, a smart contract, but it is a smart contract first of its kind. So it was the first one. That's why, that's why it's so expensive and it has so much traction. There's other smart contracts out there that are going to make a lot more money than Ethereum. And one of them is ADA. China has adapted ADA. ADA went from 15 cents. I think it's over a over dollar right now. That's a heck of a return. You can't get that in the stock market unless you're in an IPO. But uh, Ethereum, without a doubt, a great coin. It's a great blockchain. There's other altcoins that are better smart contracts, and one of them is ADA. So it seems to me the NFTs are exclusive to this Ethereum. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. It's an ER20 token. So I have to assume that at some point there'll be a competitor that may work with these altcoins like ADA, no? Of course, yeah. So people, to understand the layout of cryptocurrency will give you a better idea of the atmosphere. For example, if you get into the stock market, you have to create an account through Edward Jones or TD Ameritrade, and you got to fund it with dollars. In cryptocurrency, you fund it with Bitcoin. 
So now you have Bitcoin and dollars. So in the dollars, if you wanted to buy a, a share, a, a portion of a share of Apple, you would take your money, you'd buy a share of Apple, hoping that Apple stock would go up. You'd sell that share and get more dollars. Same thing in Bitcoin. You take your Bitcoin, buy the altcoins, sell the altcoin for more Bitcoin. But as soon as you get the Bitcoin, you're subject to, to what Bitcoin's price is. So what we do, either on our platform, we can sell it to Bitcoin or dollars. So we'll look at Bitcoin. Is Bitcoin high or is it low? And we'll sell it to that way. They are competitors. So when you do invest into, <clears throat> when you do invest into an altcoin, you have to do a little bit of research and see where the team is. Look at their white papers. See what their, their goals are. Are they making progress? How long have they been into in the market? How long have they been up? What was their starting price? What was their white paper price? So there's a lot of uh, uh, strategic behind it to get into each coin. And again, there's over 3,500 of them. So And not all of them are going to make it because they're all competitors. Just like, like the cell phones, not all of them made it. Only a few. And we're pretty good at picking those, those few. So let me just try to clarify. So it seems to me what makes NFT an NFT specifically is the smart contract and, and how they, they're only bought and sold with the, what is it, Ethereum? How do you spell Ethereum? Just to make it clear. Yeah, because I keep hearing it and I, and I haven't even looked it up. Yeah, it's E-T-H-E-R-E-U-M. Ethereum. So, so let me reiterate the question. So NFT, what makes an NFT its own kind of lane is the smart contract attached to it and the cryptocurrency, which is Ethereum. So why, why is NFT so big now and publicized? And how come we're not seeing other forms that are correlated to a different cryptocurrency? How come, how come that made it out so publicized and revolving around artists, physical artwork, Yep. music how did that come out of nowhere and how come there's not any competition that i'm hearing about well they launched and just like went skyrocket for some reason and and to be honest with you i have no idea why but artists love it because they can't get their music illegally downloaded because a blockchain can't be hacked that's why the NFTs are used in video games and, and, uh, and if you put your music on it, it can't be hacked. One of the things that I believe back to, to the, our first conversation is that everything should be on the blockchain because you can't alter it. You can't change it. You can't go in there and be like, oh, I gave an extra vote to this politician and took it away and gave it to this one. If it's on the blockchain, you can't edit it. Once the block is, is done, it's done. You can go back and see every single transaction that's ever happened throughout every single blockchain and you can never hack into it. But the NFTs are really, really popular, especially with people with a lot of money because they want to protect their assets, their trusts, their, their art music, their recordings and stuff like that. There is also websites that are built on the NFT platform and you can go there and you can buy the uh, their web domain and it's only one time fee. Instead of like GoDaddy, you got to pay a monthly fee or a yearly fee or, or whatever it is. The NFT websites, you pay a one-time fee depending on what your what your uh, domain name is and it's yours forever and it can never be hacked. Really? So you're, are you referring to, let's say I, uh, I have a, I'm a music producer, I have a hundred tracks and I want to make them into an NFT. So you're saying the website is set up strictly to do NFT transactions? It's strictly to use the blockchain as the transaction and just happens to be it. It is a smart contract that's ran on the Ethereum blockchain. So essentially it's a shopping cart. So basically it's like a Shopify and it's already set up to 
really accept the Ethereum as the currency. Correct. And okay, gotcha. I mean, you can have you can have plugins that will accept other altcoins or even U.S. dollar. Uh, so so, but the the initial one is the uh, is the Ethereum. So how come I'm not seeing any competition? Ultimately, you know, McDonald's comes out. And then, you know, Burger King's right around the corner. So where's the competitor to NFT? Is it an AFT? Is it a, you know, NFO, UFO? Where is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think ADA is going to stomp them all. I think ADA will be will be the number one go-to. Uh, and the only reason I say that is because China has a really large population and they're forcing that to be used in their grocery stores, uh, in their local uh, convenience stores, the, that where you buy cars, you can buy it and stuff like that. So that will catch traction once that once that bill or or their their uh, president signs it into law, they're going to use that. Another thing is that when when we're on the SWIFT code throughout the whole world, so if you transfer dollars, it takes a couple of days to get there. We're going to a digital asset. Period. We have no choice but to go to a digital asset where where it will be ran on a blockchain. XRP has signed with several over 60 central banks in the world to use their coin to use as transactions and those transactions clear within minutes seconds within seconds so if you say so if you are in china and i'm in texas and you pick up your phone and say hey mike i need 10 bucks for fill up my gas tank i can transfer you money like that no matter where I, banks don't have to be open it doesn't matter what time of day as i just go to my wallet transfer you the money it gets in there right away you can use it right away so that's where we're going the sec just filed a lawsuit against xrp but it, was, it wasn't a lawsuit to tell XRP that they're doing bad. It's a lawsuit to stop that, that transition over until, until the world central banks are ready for XRP rollout. Because XRP has over 60 central banks that are ready to roll out into XRP. That's trillions and trillions of dollars that are going to roll into XRP. XRP will take over a top spot, maybe even dominate Bitcoin, and especially with price-wise and, and average ROIs. It will beat it will beat Bitcoin every single year. What is what is the conversion rate right now on XRP? Uh, how, how many dollars? Yeah, so it's fifty-four cents right now. So each dollar eight, you get two XRPs. Gotcha. So and uh, where was XRP a few years ago? Was it one of those point zero zero nines? Yeah, yeah. That that was the one that we the the lady went from a thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. She, oh. She, uh, she hit it pretty. Well. But she she sold at what? Four eighty. Four dollars and eighty cents. Yeah. Wow. So it went all the way up. And what do you think was the reason for the drop down to fifty cents? So everything sold off. Once you have what is called a parabolic movement. Like we're having right now, we're having a parabolic movement in, in, in uh, Bitcoin right now. Bitcoin's like three times its all-time high. Three times its all-time high. The whole world is shut down in 2020 from the COVID. Where is this money coming from? So it went parabolic with the trillions and billions of dollars coming into to Bitcoin. It can't sustain itself there. It has to have a breather. So the same routine that happened in 2017 is the same routine that's happened right now in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So it is it is not a it's not a rush to get into it, but once the drops, once that drop happens of 30, 40, 50%, you'll never see Bitcoin that low again, never see the altcoins that low again. So it is a little bit of time sensitive to get in, get everything set up, don't buy right now, wait till the drop, put it in and ride it up and then we'll all go buy an island. Yeah, that's the goal, right? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious also, now ADA 
that's another cryptocurrency or that's a direct correlation to an NFT? It is another cryptocurrency. Uh, it's called Cardona. Grant Cardona owns that one? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I did meet him though. I did, did meet you? him. He, he's one of the people that, uh, that I, I met over in London. Wow. But uh, it's C-A-R-D-A-N-O. And it, right now it's $1.23. And if you look at the chart, literally three or four months ago, it was 15 nine to 15 cents so wow. you, you did you would have made quite a bit of money off of it yeah so so that that's a prime example of that return is a lot larger than bitcoin so when people get into it they assume bitcoin is where you're going to make all your money and that's just not the case no it makes sense you're giving our audience a, a great deal of knowledge so i hope people can you know, they can fact check that and then get back to you because it sounds like you genuinely want to help people make money. Um, it seems like you got your hand, a handle on the whole cryptocurrency world and you're offering people to get in and really at no cost so they can kind of test the waters. And that's that's a great way to get people, you know, in the door. I'm going to give yep. it a shot. I mean, why not? It's free. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm not going to put my all my eggs in it, but I'm going to give it a whirl with some money and then kick myself in the ass if my $100 goes to 200 or or 2000 and wish I put more. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, tell, tell everybody again the site so they can get onboarded right away and give it a crack and see if you can grow their money. Yeah, so our, our website is www.jpfs.com. It's a jpfs.com. And as soon as you go there, you can read all about it, send an email, and uh, our, our tech guy will get, reach back out to you and uh, get you all set up. That's for if you want us to trade for you. If you want to just join and do it free and do it free, you just join our Discord. Send, send an email to us at the JPFS. Send us an email and we'll get you into the Discord. You get in absolutely free. There's the, no, no one will, will try to charge you. We'll show you that we can make you money before we start charging you. Now, you only get money if you make money or do if you lose like yeah, stock, yeah. like stocks, you still I think you still got to pay money even when you lose. Yeah. So we do have a fee to make you money. We make 25 percent of what you make you. But we have a high watermark. And I'll, I'll tell your audience what a high watermark is. And if, if you invest in anything and they don't have a high watermark, they're, they're not in it for you. They're in it for yourself. So a high watermark is in January, we're at one hundred dollars. February, we're at $200. So we made you $100. We're going to take 25% of that. In uh, March, now you're at 150. Well, we didn't make you anything. We actually lost money for you. So we don't take anything. And then uh, the next month, say you're at 300 bucks. Well, you have $150 profit that month, but we already charge you the $50 from 150 to 200. We've already taken that. So we're not going to double dip on you. We're going to charge from 200 to 300 only. And that's what a high water market. That sounds fair. So are you making this streamlined so everyone can onboard pretty easily? And uh, is your goal to just get as many people into your world and onto your platform? Is that is that your goal? We want to help people that are struggling. So that, that's our whole goal is, is to, to help those particular people out. Uh, the onboarding process takes about 10 days, 10 business days. So about two weeks because we got to onboard you with a couple of different ways. We have them layered to protect you. And so that process takes about 10 days. And then after that, you get your little stuff on your phone and you just hear the dings. I can just imagine all day, ding, oh yeah, ding. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, can, it can be exciting. 
And, and I'm curious, do you really, I know we talked about NFTs a little bit, like NFT is one thing and Ethereum is another thing, obviously. So NFT is the smart contract, I would say IP. They invented their own smart contract and attach it to what's called the NFT. You said that there are other forms of these non-fungible tokens. Are they known? Are, is there a name of one? Is I mean, I haven't heard anything other than nft and ethereum is there another you know bft and another cryptocurrency or yeah so there's there's only one cryptocurrency that is the godfather and that's bitcoin all the other ones are called altcoins, which is alternative to bitcoin and they all either run off the bitcoin blockchain they created their own blockchain or they run off an ethereum blockchain uh so if it's a brand new blockchain, then you then it's not established, right? So so you don't you have to do a lot more research on them. But the Ethereum blockchain has already been established. The Bitcoin blockchain has already been established. That means that if they are ran on those two platforms, you know you're golden. But if you create a whole new blockchain, well then you got to do a little bit more research on it. Who's the team? Are they even okay to create a blockchain because you can just throw up a blockchain because it's super simple. It's, you go to GitHub and learn how to do it in five minutes. So you just got to be patient. There is thousands of smart contracts out there, but they all target different stuff. Some target gaming like the uh, and music like the NFTs. Ethereum will use like Apple software. I like to go into when I do go to, to conferences, I'll tell them how many people use a smart contract. And no one would raise their hand because they're all dirt trying to get into cryptocurrency. And then I'll say, how many of you have a iPhone? It's called a smartphone because it has a smart contract. So you're already using cryptocurrency, might as well get paid for it. Mm, that makes sense. So essentially NFTs were invented by Ethereum. It wasn't, you know, like NFTs were invented and then they attached Ethereum to it. No, so the NFTs run off a smart contract that is based off of Ethereum. I got you. And is there, there's no other competitor to the NFT itself, not the crypto, but more so the NFT. Um, so, so you do have other smart contracts out there that are competitors, but right now the NFTs is, is, is leading the way. I'm not even for sure how much it is right now. Uh, the NFTs right now, I put NFL. I'm just I, I'm just so curious why, you know, obviously NFT has a great deal of credibility because it's run off the Ethereum currency, which is a obviously a vetted, well-known currency, probably what, secondary to Bitcoin? Yeah, it's number two on, on the coin market cap, yeah. Now, Bitcoin is a strictly, you know, strictly a currency, so that's different. Ethereum is now incorporating an IP, an intellectual property, along with the currency. So what I'm curious is, is there somebody third in line that attaches a credible currency with an intellectual property like music or art? Yeah, so there's only a few out there and they haven't made traction. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to do it with gold and silver. However, it, it won't ever work for a, for a tangible property as a, as a precious metal because if the precious metal goes up and the cryptocurrency that they're using goes down, who's paying that difference? So tangible properties such as music will also have a problem that no one has accomplished yet. And that is the same thing as, as if your CD is comes out or your cassette comes out and you sell it for $19.99, you have to have that conversion of whatever platform you use 
valued at that very time, at that very second, because it changes all the time. So no one in the blockchain has created that particular bridge for that. There are companies out there that are trying, but no one has accomplished it yet. Um, XRP is the closest one that has come to that because they are they will be the bridge to dollars to cryptocurrency. And once that happens, most people will use XRP for, for their transactions instead of a smart contract. So essentially what you're saying is that someone can buy an NFT for someone's 10 song album for $19.99. And then a month later, that currency can go up to $100, but it also can go down to 10 cents, right? That can happen. So, I mean, for the artist, what happens if they're selling their album at $20 this week and then a week later, Ethereum goes down? What do they do? Are they gonna sell their album for a dollar at that point? So that's where they would need to have a, uh, a managed portfolio asset person, whoever does that for them, because they need to monitor that because it could go up and it could go down. So, and, and for example, that I like to use when I do a show with, with uh, people that own convenience stores, you can sell a Coke and charge them $5 in Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin goes up 50%, now you have $7.50 for that very Coke. But if it starts dropping, you have to give yourself a little wiggle room. How much are you willing to lose before you pull out? Usually it's 5% because if you go below 5%, usually usually people's ROI and their return, their net return is usually 20%. So you don't want to give up too much. You only want to give up about 5% because if it draws 5%, you want to get out. You want to have that avenue to get out. And that's where, that's where the, the knowledge of the wallets come into play. Because if you know how to do that, you can immediately transfer it into a into a, a stable coin or even to tether which is the us dollar and protect your your assets and then when it goes down you can rebuy in and our company does all that for you you have no thinking to do you just get in and let us do everything for you and just getting back to the xrp real quick it sounds like if a bunch of banks all over the world start adopting it i almost feel like it'll become more like a like a dollar kind of currency that doesn't move much if it's stabilized amongst so many banks is that sound about right or am i off that is a, a common understanding to the general population however a dollar is not a dollar uh in china and china is, doesn't have the same currency value as us they will have it as the same on xrp so when they convert over everything is going to be dollar based one dollar is one dollar period and whatever XRP is at that time, then it goes. And the more money that flows in, well, the XRP value goes up because it's a stock-based coin. The more money you get in, the higher that coin is going to be and the less XRP is going to cost you to buy something. You are right in your mind the way that you're thinking. However, you got to just remember that all the currencies, like Zimbabwe, $1 is 100 trillion of theirs. So it, it, it won't match up with us, right? So you got to find that bridge that's going to convert to everybody uh, and XRP will be that bridge. Now, how come Bitcoin, I know it's, it's at crazy numbers right now, but how come Bitcoin was never made that standard throughout the whole globe, the way XRP is doing it? So Bitcoin was created by a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto. And this guy is anonymous. No one's ever seen him. People come out to claim that they are, but they're 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 full of it. <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto and Bitcoin was created in 2008, right after the United States market, the, the housing market crashed. What a coincidence. And Satoshi Nakamoto is, is Japanese. If you translate that into English, it literally means central intelligence. And our FBI has the largest Bitcoin wallet. 
how did they know in 2008 Bitcoin was going to be worth anything? So no one really knows. There's speculation out there. I personally think the United States government created it as a test run uh, to, to, to control everybody. See, a lot of people have this also this mindset is that Bitcoin is anonymous. That's a lie. They can track every single Satoshi out there. They know where each Satoshi went to. They know how many you have at any given time if they wanted to. Everything's on, on the web. And if you put anything on the web, it's there. They're going to be able to know. So if somebody comes in and that they're an expert in cryptocurrency and they say, oh, well, it's anonymous, they don't know because there's no way that that's going to happen. Now, I don't think they predicted that it was going to skyrocket like it was. I don't think they predicted that. And that's why they're panicking and, and worrying how to. And if you listen to their arguments, it's not how to control it. It's how do we tax it? They want to tax us because they know how much money we're making. Wow. You know, I got a question that always comes to my mind that might sound crazy, but you seem like you're proficient on on cryptocurrency. So I want to hear your answer to it. So I'm a little scared that one day crypto is just going to go kapoop, gone. Now, I know everything can be tracked. You see transactions everywhere. But like a bank, a bank has the Federal Reserve backing it up. So if the economy takes a crap, you generally covered up to $250,000. So is there any insurances? Is there any backup? If the, the one day that crypto just, the lights go off, it's gone. Nobody knows where to find it. There's nobody that's to knock on their door. Hey, you know, where's my crypto? How do you answer to that? Yeah, to shut down a cryptocurrency means that you have to have a headquarters. And if your headquarters is in the cloud, you can't go anywhere. You can't shut down the cloud. The only way to turn off cryptocurrency is you turn off the whole power to the world. And as soon as you turn that power back on, guess what? There's the cryptocurrency. It's not going anywhere. It might fluctuate and some might go to zero. Some altcoins might crash and stuff like that, but you can't shut it off. And and that's another problem that, that they're freaking out about is because there's no way to stop the blockchains. They put this, this beast in the motion and it's going to continue to go in the motion until that blockchain is no longer used. So as long as that blockchain is used and you have power, you're going to be able to use it. But now if the governments are trying to tax Bitcoin, obviously that's what the goal is, is because if less people are using traditional currency and they start using Bitcoin, governments lose money and they're losing tons of money as we speak. So in theory, if the government really can't wrap their hands around a crypto like Bitcoin, why not shut down the power in some fashion? Yeah. So their whole goal is to figure out how to tax it. And this is what I tell people. If you're making a hundred million dollars a year, pay your taxes so they don't come after you. If you're making a hundred thousand dollars off the crypto and you only put in 10,000 bucks, pay your taxes. Don't cause problems where, where you don't really need to. Uh, and that's one of the problems that people have. They think that they're anonymous and they don't pay taxes. And you can Google research and, and see that people have been arrested for not paying taxes on cryptocurrency. Uh, so and they know every single step of the way that is happening. There's some offices. There's some offices that are uh, that have created cryptocurrencies that are what you would call anonymous coins, like Dash. Dash is anonymous coin that you you can either anonymous it, send it, or not anonymous. That doesn't matter. Your your computer is connected to an API or a IP address. Your wallet's connected to that IP address. You're not going to be able to get away. <laughs> They're going to know. It. They're going to get their money. So you might as well pay their money. Our job as citizens is not to not pay taxes. It's to pay less taxes as we possibly can. Got it. So so 
this is the first time I'm even knowing, uh, understanding this. Because I don't, I don't own crypto. Um, that's why I'm, I'm not uh, worth a billion dollars right now. Uh, but <laughs> what? So you're saying the government actually mandates that you pay taxes on any profit, whether it's crypto or not. So you're saying if I made uh, two million in crypto this year, I would be responsible to claim it on my taxes that I profited two million and then I owe the government probably a million at that point, right? Yeah. So I'm not a tax advisor, just so you know. Yeah. But the way that I think people should do it is you as a individual are going to pay a lot more taxes. So hence why we have a trust. We All of our clients will sign up with the trust. The trust protects politicians. So if the politicians are using it to protect themselves and to pay less taxes, why don't we as citizens do it too? That's one of the reasons we use the largest cryptocurrency trust in the whole wide world. And we use them to store our cryptocurrency. And if you pay taxes as a trust, it's a lot less, especially in Texas where I am, it's a lot less than individual taxes. Okay. So it's, it's looked at as a different kind of tax. If, uh, all the, is, if yeah. all the money is coming through a trust. Correct. Got it. Well, that's a good, that's a good uh, tax tip. I bet you people that probably have crypto, probably not in the, you know, the million dollar range, but people that may have $50,000 profit in crypto, they're either, I'm assuming not paying their taxes at all, or they're, they're, it's not set up properly. So they're going to end up being responsible for that tax at some point because there's a track record yeah. of this stuff, right? It's, they're not invisible. The way that the, at least in Texas, the way that the taxing happens is not your profit. And, and it should be, it should be how much money did you make? But that's not how they do it because that's not a lot of money for, for the government. So what they do is you got to you got to bring your trading history. Each trade that you do, you got to pay your taxes on. Win or lose, you got to pay your taxes on. But the trust is how much money did you make? So wow. it's it's a lot easier going through the trust. Well, that makes complete sense. So I mean, why isn't everyone going through a trust? Uh, because it might sound like a lot of people, but but uh, only three percent of the world's in cryptocurrency right now. So if you get into cryptocurrency and you and you just happen to only want to buy Bitcoin in five years, you, you're most likely going to have five six times your money. Uh, so so once the, once this gets adapted on mainstream, you're, it's going to skyrocket. And once it skyrockets, every all of us that are already in, we're going to get out. We don't care because there's no more money to be made. So we're getting out. We're going to live and buy our islands and, and, and be done, help charities around the world and stuff like that. So you are in the like the dot com boom era right now as, as we speak with the cryptocurrency. Wow. And I thought it was late because, uh, you know, all those uh, it's not late because all those, you know, point zero zero nines already went up to the dollar and five dollars, you know, crypto, you know, you know where that went. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin. So. I feel like, um, you know, I thought it was too late because I want to get in at point zero zero nine. And, and obviously that's that's a, a risky investment because a lot of those don't ever get past that. Correct. So uh, I felt like, wow, all the big ones already made it. They already the bubble already popped, but it's not too late. You're saying, Nope. really? Woo! I'm learning a lot, Michael. And I hope 
you know, everybody that's that's watching this, you know, got an education because I learned, you know, I had a basic understanding like probably most of everybody. But you taught me a few really important things about the trust, about the um, all these altcoins that are out there. Um, I'm just curious. One last thing. I keep saying one last thing because there's just so much. Now, when a stock hits its peak and then it, uh, what do they call it, splits, and then it kind of acclimates to a lower point, that doesn't really yeah. happen with crypto. Because when a stock splits, you still own the same amount of stocks and at the same value as when it splits. But when a crypto splits, in essence, your money kind of just dwindles. It goes in half. Is that accurate? So I think you asked two different questions in the same question. So I'll, I'll tackle both of them. The, the first one is that when the crypto, when the stock splits, you get more stock, but the same U.S. dollar value. So if it splits twice, then, uh, and you have reverse stock or splits too. So you go from two to one, but your, your value stays the same. In cryptocurrency, there's no splitting. There's forking, what you would call a fork. And that means that once that blockchain is closed, another altcoin can be created off that blockchain. And that's a forking. So there's no splitting, but also you also have each block has free coins given out to the miners. And so right now, Bitcoin, I think, is at 25 Bitcoin given out to the miners. So if you mine Bitcoin, you will get a, a portion of the of the 25. How mining works, I have no idea. I just know that, that to become a miner, you have to have a really fast computer. So that, that's not my specialty. So if you ask me about how that works, I'll be making up stuff because I don't know. So I'm still a little unclear. So Bitcoin has X amount of Bitcoins out there it can never grow. Everyone's just exchanging and trading the same amount. Does that go for XRP and, and ADA as well? They all, they have a fixed amount out there? Yeah. So it, once that blockchain is created, you can't change it. So on Bitcoin value, on Bitcoin, they created 21 million. So once we get to 21 million, there's no more Bitcoin ever being made. It's capped at 21 million. And I think I think the blockchain runs out to 2035. I think the last Bitcoin will be mined will be 2035. XRP, since it is based off of the, the fiat currency, tangible currency you can hold in your hand, they their blockchain is they can create XRP or they can delete XRP. So they can manipulate the price to fit in the central bank system. And it, that sounds really horrible right off the bat, but that's actually a really good thing because you don't want XRP to come out and go to a million dollars because it, most people will be worse off than where they are. They, you want that system to be controlled to the GDPs of the world. So they created, and that guy is super brilliant. He, everything he touches, um, it, it turns to gold. Ethereum is another one that, that will create some and you can fork off of the Ethereum and you can create your whole nother Ethereum blockchain. Uh, Litecoin, for example, is is uh, a fork of Bitcoin. So when you look at Litecoin, it's ran off the Ethereum, uh, I mean, off the Bitcoin blockchain. So each one has its own characteristics, its own uh, own uh, ways to do it. But also, I'll give you another tidbit before we get off here. You can stake coins. And that means that if you own, ADA is the best one. I'll talk about ADA because I think it's extremely undervalued. It's like a dollar, $1.26 right now. That is going to be a one, two, $500 coin. There, there's no doubt about it because it is a smart contract that is ran and it, China has adopted it. It's, it's in the top five coins in, in Asia. You can take that, put it into your wallet and you make interest every single day, like your bank account. But your bank account will give you one or 2% per year. ADA is over a dollar. So it's more valuable than the US dollar. 
and it'll pay you 9%. No, there's no comparison. So as soon as people see ADA, they'll pick up the phone and call me and be like, how do I get into ADA? And I want to stake it. Super simple. It's a process that we can walk you through it. And you own, we never, ever touch your money. You keep actually, you get possession of your money 24 seven. Wow. I'm there. I'm going to give it a shot. And then uh, we'll tell everybody about it. And, and hopefully everyone can own an island, uh, not just Michael and I, right? <laughs> they got to name it after us, though. That's it. Right. That, that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. <laughs> <laughs> and there's plenty of islands to go around, people. Plenty of islands, you know. Um, so this has been a, a, a great chat, uh, Michael. We went from, you know, your, your story as a, as a police officer, which is some wild, crazy stuff going on. And then <laughs> you just pivoted and flipped it to literally how you had to flip your life to being an entrepreneur and, and, and learning something new and, and being able to create wealth, not just for yourself, but for other people, which to me, that's, you know, that's noble. And that's what I'm about is really trying to help people grow wealth, get some tips that they don't hear from their everyday circle that doesn't, you know, maybe may not have a clue about crypto and, and all sorts of other revenue streams. So I, I appreciate you coming through and uh, blessing us with some knowledge and some insight. Amen. And I, and I think it's great if you have a program that lets people on board pretty easily. Um, that's a beautiful thing. They can actually get their feet wet uh, without feeling worried. Uh, I'm going to give it a shot and I'll tell everybody about it. If they're, they want me to be the guinea pig, I'll be the guinea pig people. I've done it before. So thanks again, Michael Kelly, for coming through and letting us mind your biz. <laughs> <laughs>